Welcome to Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears and I'm joined as always by Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm not too bad. Looking forward to a holiday. This is the last, second last day of school term, so two weeks off coming up. Hmm. It's so it's so strange anytime you mention school holidays because it mm-hmm. takes me back to when yeah. I was a to when I was younger. But you're also working with younger people, so you get to experience the holidays like. I experienced mm-hmm. the holidays when I was like 10 years ago, which is always nice. I'm actually more excited about school holidays now than I was when I was at school. <laughs> Does it keep you young? <laughs> uh, something like that. That's mm. what they say. I don't nice. I think it maybe ages you faster. I don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you've been, in, you've been in VR land um, all day? I, I've, I've tried to balance uh, my real life existence with the VR one. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gone... so. For those not aware, PlayStation VR came out this week, and uh, here at Relay FM, uh, me and Mike and and Shahid were all a bit of a you know PlayStation fans, and so we all got the PlayStation VR. Mike has been kind of obsessed with mm-hmm. the <laughs> with the gadget, and he's been I think he's been living in VR since the past few days. Really, uh, it I, I, doesn't we, seem to talk like Mike Gurley, does it? <laughs> we we don't talk <laughs> to the guy sense. anymore. We <laughs> haven't heard from Mike, so please be safe in VR. But I try to balance to at least like a couple of hours per session, not more. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. want to make sure that I still exist in this life. So <laughs> you have a real life existence too. <laughs> so Fraser, speaking of very much real life things, mm-hmm. uh, I hear that real people who want to get real work done use Microsoft Office. That's what they tell me, and they also plug in a VGA port into their, <laughs> into the side of their computers. Nothing else is good enough for real work. Um, so yeah, we're going to try and talk tonight about the the kind of final two parts of the three-piece jigsaw, which is uh, productivity suites on iOS. And I say productivity with a kind of capital P and a silent TM at the end, um, because that's what that's what counts as productivity, is typing things into a spreadsheet, I suppose. Um, but we, we talked in the last show about iWork 3.0 and some of the new features on there, and what iWork can kind of do for you as a, as a productivity suite on iOS. And I thought just to kind of round out the, the scene, if you like, we would talk a little bit tonight about... Microsoft Office on iOS and of course Google Docs as well because uh, Google Docs is that um, I hesitate to say one trick pony but certainly mm. uh, it has one party piece that we all love a, and we sort of put up with antisocial behaviour in other respects. <laughs> we can say that it's very specialised. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, so Microsoft Office in particular, I mean, the thing about Office, Federico, for me has always been like, I feel like for my whole life, everybody's been like, Apple's got to have Microsoft Office on their platform. And if Microsoft Office isn't there, mm-hmm. it's doomed, you know. And I'm, I remember when that was true of, you know, the Mac and people were saying, you know, there's no there's no new version of Office in like 2007. So the Mac is therefore doomed, you know, and things like that. And it, it's been kind of interesting because I, I think what... What is most interesting about the Microsoft Office story in iOS is that we spent seven or eight years without it, and we kind of got by, you know? And I think that was a big yeah. mistake for Microsoft to let people know that you could actually have a computer without <laughs> Office and still, and still yeah. kind of use it, you know? Um, the, the It's almost like the illusion was broken, 
you know, the, the sort of spell everybody yeah, was like under a, that they believed. Like in the Truman Show, when he gets to the edges of the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he peeks behind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. You know, you're kind of in this, this fantasy world where everybody's doing spreadsheets all the time. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting because I think what happened over that period was also that um, work kind of diversified into lots of different forms, you know. Uh, and now you've got things like, you've got Slack and you've got... Things like GitHub, you know, for example, I mean, there's a big application that lots of people work in every day is GitHub. And much of that stuff has kind of migrated to the web and, and the so-called, you know, remember the old phrase groupware, where it was like, you know, software that lets you work with other people. So much of that has kind of diversified away from just uh, putting office files onto a file server in, in your in your local area network that works become much more diverse in offices. I'm not denying that it's an important component of many people's work. But it's not the only place that work gets done anymore. Uh, but it, of course, it still it has been seen and continues to be seen as an important thing for any platform to have, is at least have access to Word documents. I think one of the things about that is, is also that um, you're always going to be interacting with people who still believe that that old world holds mm -hmm. true. You know, And mm -hmm. certainly working in education, you get a lot of that where... People will just like casually drop you a Word document with the assumption that everybody is using Word, you know. Yeah. And, you know, three or four years ago, being an iOS user three or four years ago, that was a huge pain and a big problem. Because, for example, even even the Scottish exam board would start sending out, they would send you out like Word documents and you were supposed to print them out and give them to students for an exam uh, or, or a test in school, a sort of intermediate test. And I was always kind of worried, like, if Pages doesn't render this file properly, are the kids going to be missing a piece of information they need to answer a question, you know? So it was always things like that that kept you kind of hanging about with the Mac and hanging about with Word and so on. But now we've got these apps on iOS. And I think what was it would be useful, Federico, is just to kind of look at how good is Microsoft's Office on iOS? Where does it stand up? Where does it fall down? Um, and of course, Office came along with the introduction of the iPad Pro back in, what was that? November last year, October not last year, something like that. Yeah, I think the event was in maybe September, September and then it came out in yeah. November. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it, it was shown on stage alongside the iPad Pro because obviously the Apple Pencil was the big new feature back then. And that was one of the this kind of headline features of, of Office on iOS was that it's had support for the Apple Pencil and basically drawing on top of documents uh, right in right in the app, which, which is there and, and works very nicely. It was a while after the iPad Pro came out that, I, that um, Office came out as well. And of course, this was always said to be the the big uh, outcome of Steve Ballmer's early departure from Microsoft was that Office for iOS was finally released into the wild and and was made available. And, and it's here and it, and it works really well. So have you been using um, Word or would you say PowerPoint? What, what's the... What's the app that you use the most? I would say for, for me, um, Excel is actually the one that I use the most um, because we, we we teach a number of classes about using spreadsheets and so on. And then the kind of introductory level, we use Excel first. And then for some further on stuff, we, we actually move to using a virtualized Windows version through iOS. And that might be a whole other show at some point, how we do that. But um, Excel is probably the one I've spent the most time in, followed by Word. Uh, PowerPoint, I hardly use at all, uh, mainly because you don't really get that many PowerPoint documents anymore, or at least I don't. It tends to be more Word documents the way in, in the area that I work in. But I certainly remember working in previous jobs where, you know, we would actually, 
we did this at one point. We had to write our quarterly reports in PowerPoint format because that was the only app that everybody was guaranteed to have a compatible version of. So that was our that was our word processor was PowerPoint. Hmm. The world outside of our little bubble is quite weird. I can honestly say that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, Microsoft has got a big commitment to iOS as well. You know, there's a lot of other Microsoft apps that are out and about there. So we've got Microsoft Outlook, of course. We've talked about that in previous shows about email, Federico. Used to be which app? They, they bought that over, didn't they? And uh, used to be uh, Outlook. It was called Accompli, maybe? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. it was a, like a business-oriented email client mm-hmm. that got rebranded into Outlook. And initially it was kind of similar, but now it's really different. Like it's a whole new app. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got Microsoft OneNote as well, which is yeah. something that's actually starting to gain a lot of traction in, in education. I mean, we've heard... Oh, really? Uh, We've heard CGP Grey talking about that on Cortex as well. Uh, he wasn't a huge fan of it, but we're, we're starting to... I'm hearing about a lot of people who are using uh, OneNote as their main sort of classroom organization tool now. Hmm. And, and I think the reason is that um, it's the only kind of vaguely modern application that most schools have got access to. You know, like Slack is banned and Dropbox is banned. Everything's so banned that the one thing that they can get access to that appears to be vaguely modern is is Microsoft OneNote. Uh, and, and people are starting to get some good value out of that, I think. So it's quite interesting to see how people are kind of keeping that organized. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I try to use OneNote. I think it's pretty cool. I just cannot get over some inconsistencies with the way uh, some data types are used on iOS. Like, they have their own link formatting engine. Uh, images are different. And it's pretty cool because you can, unlike Notes, you have a freeform canvas. Uh, no pun intended. You can pan and zoom around. And when you start a note, you can just drag and drop, you know, things like images or blocks of text and links. And, you know, you can zoom, you can, you know, you can cut, you can paste. It's very, mm-hmm. very much, there's a good sense of freedom, but it's just... The in- I don't know if it's the interface or some things with scrolling or text controls. It's very custom and it's very Microsofty, mm-hmm. and I I prefer the more simplistic approach of Notes. I think. Yeah, I have to kind of agree with you, and I think one of the things that uh, this shows how old I am. Right? Um, you remember Palm Pilots? Yeah. Yeah. There used to be this app for the Mac called Palm Desktop, which had this incredibly kind of garish, colourful, tabbed interface. Uh-huh. Uh, and Microsoft OneNote just reminds me of that every time I look at it. I'm just like, oh, I'm back <laughs> in Palm Desktop. I can't believe it. You know? um, that was back when we synced our PDAs over a cradle through a serial port to our Macs kids. Remember what that was like? Of course you don't. Um, so anyway, moving on. with That's my sort of PTSD from the Palm Pilot era. Um, but the the point being, the bigger point being that Microsoft has really got a, a pretty solid commitment to iOS now. And, and I would say that their apps started good and have definitely gotten better. They're not perfect yet, and I've got some complaints that I'll, I'll throw out later on. But in, in general, um, we, we find that kids who have kind of come up on iWork can reasonably easily uh, switch over to using... Uh, using the Microsoft applications and and get on pretty well with them on iOS as well. I suppose the main thing to say though is that like what why would you bother using the Microsoft applications? And I think for me the number one reason is that well it's the Microsoft applications, right? And if you if you live in a world where uh, people are you know from afar throwing Microsoft documents at you, expecting you to deal with them and send them back to them, then 
being able to, having a tool on iOS that can open and edit and save and share those formats with very high fidelity to the original is, is has become invaluable to me, really. Uh, I mean, there were ways to deal with that situation before, but they were always kind of precarious. Whereas now it's just like, oh, that's a Word file. I'll edit that Word file. I'll send it back. And, and basically nobody needs to know I'm using an iPad, right? And that's the kind of world you want to get into is that uh, nobody cares and, and you, nobody's having to, you know, work around mm. you, for example. So that's to me, that's one of the big reasons to have these apps installed. Uh, and of course you can do things like now this is one of my early criticisms was that you couldn't convert say a word document into a pdf and now that's a feature you can do and they now support the share sheet and things like that so those were some early criticisms that are no longer even valid because they've they've improved those apps already really really quite well yeah i remember you were really happy when they when they switched the to the share sheet for the pdf generation yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, that is my, my main use for Word is to take a Word document, turn it into PDF, and then do something with it. Um, so uh, kudos to Microsoft for making it possible to not use their app as well. Um, key thing as well, compatibility. Right? Well, my experience with compatibility with file formats has been very, very, very good. Um, even documents that are more complex than the iOS apps themselves can create are actually rendered very well. So, So documents with features features of the Word document format that you can't create on iOS, you can still look at and you can still uh, sometimes edit as well. So that's that's really useful. Biggest problem typically is fonts. And that's, of course, not unique to iOS. That's true across, you know, when you move a document without an embedded font across any two computer platforms, it's unlikely you're going to, if you use custom fonts, to to find all those same custom fonts at the other end. So that's kind of the biggest issue. But, but apart from that, um, I found both Office and, and certainly even better Excel documents and also PowerPoint files have come across and been editable and readable uh, really very easily uh, on, on iOS. So that's, uh, I suppose that's maybe the main concern people have mm-hmm. is, you know, are the documents going to work? And I would say so far in my experience, yes, yes. Including awesome. things like the things that pages can't do, for example, like a portrait page and then a landscape page and then another portrait page and things like that. Um, all of that now works really, really well uh, inside Word mm-hmm. on iOS. So I remember a while back, um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe a couple of years, maybe less, uh, Microsoft launched this new integration with cloud services uh, in Microsoft Office for iOS. And yeah. I think initially it was that you could add a Dropbox for, uh, account to Office on iOS, and then yeah. you could browse the, the contents of your Dropbox account inside Word or Excel and open and sync documents inside Office. And now I think it also works for Box, mm-hmm. which I used to have an account on, but then we moved back to Dropbox once again. So have you been, have you been using, Fraser, these integrations inside Office on iOS? Um, I have, yep. Um, I've, I've used, we have uh, Office 365 accounts for both staff and some pupils in the school who need it. And with that comes along a Microsoft OneDrive subscription okay. and also um, also access to the applications as well. So we've also used Dropbox as well for certain things, um, but it doesn't support Google Drive natively. So it's, it's only Microsoft selected partners so it's a bit of a strategy tax going on there. Um, but the thing the thing that's weird for iOS users about Office is that um, they basically have an open and save dialog box inside of the app, which is, is, is weird for people to kind of get used to, particularly people who've been used to Keynote and Pages where 
you create a new document, it's already it's saved immediately and it's continuously saved and you can just close the application. If you create a new document on, on Office for iOS, it's unsaved until you first save it and then it's auto-saved after that. Um, but this is where the integrations mm. happen, is that when you add a when you add Dropbox or Box to your Office setup, uh, it appears as an additional component into that open and save dialog box, basically. So when you say open a file, you get this dialog box up and you've got uh, OneDrive, whatever other cloud services you've configured, and this iPad as well. So you can save things locally in the sandbox as well. So you, you get a range of things that are possible to do. Um, and that's where Dropbox shows up. It works pretty well. Um, what's the benefit over OneDrive? I would say that my experience with OneDrive has been that I can end up having file locking conflicts with myself, um, which is a kind of horrible surprise after spending so long on things like Google Drive, where you just don't have that kind of problem. Um, so it's it, it's nicely integrated. Um, it's better than going through, say, the the system document provider API and pulling out a file and editing it and then shoving it back up to the cloud from there. So it's smoother to use files in Dropbox with Office than it is on Google Drive, uh, but OneDrive is also in there and it's always in there as well. Uh, if, if your Microsoft account supports a OneDrive service, then it's always part of that component as well. Nice. Yeah, I I wish I had uh, some kind of use for this, uh, because especially with now that we've kind of consolidated all, our, all of our files and work stuff for Mac Stories into Dropbox. Mm-hmm. I think it would make sense to have to to find maybe a way to uh, to use Office. Uh, just because I, I I know that iCloud has gotten better, uh, mm-hmm. but there's still that thought in the back of my mind of maybe I trust Dropbox a little more. <laughs> so maybe I should yeah. move my you know all of my accounting spreadsheets from Google Sheets to to Office. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because I, I I feel like, and this is totally my my impression that the um, that Excel on iOS is a better iOS app than Google Sheets. And if only because I trust Microsoft to have regular updates to the iOS clients with the latest iOS technologies and feature mm-hmm. uh, and features quicker than Google. So maybe mm-hmm. I should consider, you know, moving to, to Excel and using Dropbox inside Excel, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I certainly used, I've taken a couple of spreadsheets that I normally use and I've put them into Dropbox and put them on Excel and stuff, and, and it works pretty well. Um, haven't had any problems, uh, and, and Excel is really nice because some of those spreadsheets are like checklists and things that I use in school, and being able to like edit them with the Apple Pencil or just check them off or whatever, and then erase it once I'm done is really quite a cool feature, and, and I really enjoyed using that. So uh, definitely something to look into, I would say. Nice. In terms of features, though, we have to be honest and say that like compared to the Windows version of Office, which is, of course, what, like 30 years old and has been built upon and <laughs> built upon and built upon, the these new Office apps for iOS certainly do not have anything like the feature set of those other applications. And I'll talk a little bit about Excel, perhaps, because that's the one I know the best. But many of the things that are very easy or straightforward on Excel for Windows or Mac um, are really either basically missing or limited on iOS. So you you have all the basic features, all the all the formulae, many kinds of charts, many kinds of cell formatting. But for example, like conditional formatting in the spreadsheet where you have rules for the appearance of the cell based on the contents of the cell, that just doesn't exist 
on on the iOS version. Uh, pivot tables are a big analysis feature in the Windows version, just not there on iOS. Um, mail merge between Microsoft Word uh, just isn't there with any other data source. So th- there's a lot of sophisticated tools that aren't there. You know, table of contents generation is another one that's not there on iOS. So compared to the Windows version or the Mac version, yes, you're going to look at those and say they're pretty basic. But say compared to iWork and iOS, they're quite comparable. They're not the same, of course, and there are some things you can do in Office that you can't do in iWork, and there are certainly some things in iWork that you can't do in the in Office on iOS either. But I'd say that the overlap between those two suites is really quite great, and there's only a few things on either side that one can do that the other can't do. So in terms of features, pretty feature complete for an iOS suite, but certainly not nothing like as powerful as a desktop version of the suite at the moment. And maybe that's just a matter of getting to it, Maybe it's a matter of product vision, I'm not sure. But uh, for now, they're, they're perfectly usable, I would say. So, um, Fraser, you use a, an iPad Pro, uh, mm-hmm. and you have a smart keyboard. I think you're, you're using a smart I keyboard do. at the moment. Yep. So how, how does Microsoft hold up in terms of keyboard shortcuts or like other iOS-only features like extensions. We mentioned the Apple Pencil, of course, which they do some very neat features like uh, shape recognition and hand drawing mm-hmm. mode. But what about keyboards? What about extensions? What about everything else? Yeah, the, the keyboard stuff is fine. Uh, it's it's not um, maybe as comprehensive as some other apps. and um, But in general, I would say that the keyboard shortcuts are really good. Extension support is, is fairly basic. You know, you you can open a document in Word from wherever else you can get a Word document. Um, they do also have support for a thing called add-ins, which are like Microsoft's own kind of plugins for Office. And you, you can browse them inside the app and you can add them in inside the app. And there's maybe six or eight of them just now. Um, I know add-ins have been a thing for on the Mac and um, other platforms over time, but they're not particularly sophisticated things, but they they do a few little jobs. And they're, they're, I can see potential for them to grow, for example. Um, the main iOS-specific feature, I would say, is uh, is support for the share sheet now and also support for the Apple Pencil in, inside the applications. And that's uh, increasingly powerful. Um, the other thing that if you have uh, PowerPoint for iOS is that there's an Apple Watch app goes along with that as well. So you can actually use your Apple Watch as a remote control for PowerPoint. Keynote also has this feature, actually. Um, but you can forward and back your slides from your Apple Watch while you're presenting. Now, you've got to be presenting from your phone because that's where your Apple Watch talks to. But, of course, all of these apps are universal. They also support split screen as well. Uh, so they're all they're very modern, very up-to-date iOS apps. My main criticism of them is that they don't handle files very well or at least not very much like uh, an iOS application. In particular, things like if you have an unsaved document open in an Office application and you try to open in another document into that app, if that was Keynote, what Keynote would do is it would close the currently open document and open the one that you just sent to it. Whereas uh, the Office applications, if you've got an unsaved document open, and you often do, particularly if you're a user who's not used to the saving model, what happens is uh, Office just completely ignores that request to open the new file. So you oh. sw- you switch to the application and then Office goes, well, forget that. Oh, so no. <laughs> it's, it's very confusing. That's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, they, they need to be auto-saving those applications, those documents. 
and they need to be doing yeah. a much better job of handling new requests yeah. to open documents. Yeah. Uh, but in general, they're they're pretty good iOS citizens, I would say. And uh, most of the most of the behaviors, they use things like the edit bar, for example. You know, you tap and you get a little black bar of options. There's some pretty good features built into that as well. Uh, and, and they're very nicely touch compatible and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. not, they're, they're not like weird ports of something else in the way that you might argue the Google apps are. Uh-huh. They're very, very good native iOS applications. So what's the final Fraser verdict on Office for iOS? Thumbs up, thumbs down, no thumbs? What's, what's yeah, the... Th- thumbs up, I suppose, yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I think they're, uh, the platform is better off to have them. I, I still personally would start with, I, with iWork particularly mm. with Keynote. I think Keynote is still much better than PowerPoint and iOS. Word and Pages are comparable in different ways, and I would say that Excel is better than Numbers. So if I if I was taking my pick, I would probably use um, Word, Excel, okay. and Keynote if I was taking my Word, pick of the Word, Excel, theme. and Keynote. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. W- yeah. Word and Pages are a bit of a toss-up for me. I, I don't really do enough serious word processing to really mm. care about the differences between either. Um, but if I had to choose between just the applications on those two groups, uh, I would say probably definitely Excel, probably Word, and absolutely Keynote. Definitely yeah. Excel, you say? Mm. Over, over numbers? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I actually wanted to make a comment on Excel. The only time of the year... Actually, four times of the year. This is literally mm-hmm. four days. Is when Apple does the earnings rep- uh, calls for f- financial results. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, I mean, Graham at MacStories has put together an Excel document where, uh, you know, all the pretty charts and graphs that we do at MacStories anytime mm-hmm. there's an Apple uh, fiscal call, uh, those ca- come from numbers, uh, from Excel, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So Graham has made this spreadsheet and he, he taught me how to use it. So he has like a quick entry box. I just need to type in a bunch of numbers like a, like a monkey in front of a typewriter. <laughs> and so I just put in a bunch of numbers in a very specific way. And then I, I don't have to do anything else. I can just switch to the to another, um, what's it called? A table, a page? Mm-hmm. A, I a guess worksheet. A, a worksheet. Yeah. Uh, I just switch to that and there's updated charts in Excel. So one neat feature is that in Excel and iOS, and again, I only use it four days a year, which is the number of Apple earnings calls uh, annually. I can tap on, a, tap on a chart, and then if I hit copy, and then I switch back to workflow, which I also use in split view, so it's just on the other side. If you copy a chart and you're using Workflow, get images from input, you're going to get the chart as a PNG, I think, or maybe a JPEG. Anyway, it's an image file. So when you copy an image in Excel, it is transferred to the iOS clipboard as an image. So you can do, you know, all kinds of automations with it. And I use it with Workflow so I can uh, upload two versions to MacStories, a smaller one and a full resolution one, and it saves me a lot of time. And thanks to this automation, and especially thanks to Split View in, in iOS 9, what used to be like a 20-minute process of entering these numbers and copying, uh, copying, saving these charts, uploading them, now it's like five minutes. So, That's you know, cool. props yeah. to Microsoft for handling the iOS clipboard uh, quite well. Yeah, and for giving normal formats, regular formats that other apps can use as well. 
Yeah, exactly. And I mean, especially for supporting Splitview, which, as we'll mention in a minute, uh, you know, the other guys at Google uh, took a a little time to add. So, yeah. yeah. I think I'm going to try Excel more. You you made me, you made me, you made a solid argument in favor of Excel, I think. Yeah, I I like it. I I actually like it. I mean, that's, I don't think I can give a higher compliment to Microsoft app than I, I actively quite like it. Uh, I don't think I've ever said that about Office before, but there you go. Awesome. So we're going to talk about Google Docs. Yeah. But uh, I think before we do that, we want to say thanks to a pretty good company, actually a great company, that has a very neat product. Okay, let me tell you about them. This episode of Canvas is brought to you by Boom for iOS. Now, we all love our music, but when we listen to it in our phones, it can sound really compressed. This isn't really something to love. And even great headphones, which can be super expensive, only go so far. So this is why you need Boom. Boom is a music player app for iPhone and iPad, and it gets rid of that compressed sound, breathing new kind of life into your music, delivering crystal clear audio on literally any pair of headphones. Boom boasts an array of amazing features. It comes with a mind-blowing 3D surround sound setting that features manual controls that you can adjust with just a few taps. Boom also features a 16-band equalizer and audio intensity effects too. So the next time you want to hear a certain song play with higher bass or a certain part of the song to sound more intense, simply turn on the Boom and start fiddling. Boom has consistently been rated 5 stars in the App Store and Apple has even added an App Store editor's, editor's note too. It says that with Boom you'll hear your songs just the way the artist intended and that once you've used it there's no going back. So if you two want to immerse yourself into a mind-melting music experience, Boom is for you. Boom's available on the App Store for $4.99 but if you buy it now, you'll get it at $2.99 only. So don't delay. Go and check out Boom today. You can find out more at boomforios.com. And Boom also has a version for your Mac with slightly different features, but an equally amazing experience. Thank you so much to Boom for iOS for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So we're going to talk about Google Docs. All right. Yeah. Let's talk about Google Docs. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, do you want to start? The bad things or the good things? What's that movie we need to talk about, Kevin? I always feel like we need to talk about Google Docs. Uh, something horrible has happened. Um, I, what I've written here is Google Docs has had a checkered story on iOS, and I think that's probably the best way to put it. I mean, t- to be honest with you, like I said at the start, I really feel like everybody puts up with Google Docs just to get the collaboration features, even on the desktop, right? That it's it's not as it's not as pretty as Pages. You don't get as nice an output as Pages. It's not as powerful as Word. But we all kind of agree to ignore all of that because you can do this amazing collaboration thing. And let's not kid around. It is amazing. It is it is and has been for like ten years the gold standard of internet collaboration. Uh, you know, reliability, correctness, smoothness, predictability, availability, all the things you want from an online collaboration suite, Google Docs has delivered it almost flawlessly for 10 years. And the, I think the criticisms we're going to make of them as iOS apps shouldn't entirely take away from the fact that though that feature is amazing and has been for years. And I think that's worth saying ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, we use collaboration in Google Docs every single day at Relay. Um, all of our shows have uh, documents, shared documents between the hosts of each show where we 
put together every week the show notes of a, of an episode so we can collaborate on the structure of a show uh it's it starts as an outline but then it morphs into this rich list of formatted text lists um block quotes uh images sometimes and of course because it's a word processor but it's online and it's you know it's constantly in sync between people and between devices we can add all kinds of formatting to a document and for example mike and steven like to highlight you know when there's a sponsor break in the show with a different color or we can use lists and kind of assign topics to each other. So it gives a better flow to each show if we can plan ahead and if we can collaborate on the sections that we want to talk about. And it's never... The collaboration itself, in, what, three, four, year, four years of podcasting, uh, I've never had a single bad problem with Google Docs. Uh, no major data loss issues. I mean, the occasional bug with the iOS client, but it wasn't a collaboration problem. I never got an issue with conflicted copies or weird error messages telling me to save a document before being able to collaborate with someone. Uh, the process of inviting someone to share uh, to a shared document is very easy. You just need to you know pop in a Gmail address and that's it. So. Um, I've been really happy with collaboration in Google Docs. In Google Docs, I think it's the, you know, any company looking to looking to replace Google Docs ought to take a look at what Google is doing, how fast it is, how reliable it is, and even the smaller details like when multiple people are collaborating on a document, you can see the different colored indicators, uh, you know, uh, in the page, and. You know, there's even a real-time chat feature, so you can talk to other people as you collaborate in the document to the side. Uh, for example, when we record connected on on Skype, um, instead of using the Skype chat, we just keep Skype in the background and we take a look at the Google document to you know to to stay on schedule and to stay on topic. And then if you know if someone wants to talk, instead of you know doing the proverbial raising hand, we just chat in the in the Google Talk in the Google Doc little message thing at the bottom. So it's very convenient. It's very fast, reliable. I honestly, I mean, I have so many other complaints about Google Docs on iOS, but the collaboration itself, like the web stuff, mm -hmm. you know, five stars as they say. Yeah, no, it, it has been the gold standard and remains the gold standard. And that's when we were talking about, you know, iWork collaboration, the only thing we're comparing it to is Google Docs because it's the only thing that's, you know, has that kind of capability. But in terms of in terms of iOS apps, I think it's not unfair to also say that um, Google Docs is certainly, and by quite some distance, the weakest, least intuitive, hardest to use um, least compatible, least iOS-like, least up-to-date Office suite on the entire platform. Well, that's I'd, it for the show, guys. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> Drop the mic. That's that is what it is. I mean, it, I mean the thing that we and really we made a joke about it for like a year, which was is Google Docs been updated for Split View yet? You know, and, and there was actually like single-serving domains about that gag. Uh, and it took them forever to get that feature, you know. And as a result of that, you know, essentially the version of Google Docs that we have now is, it now supports split view, but essentially has all the same features as it did like two years ago, 
you know, there, there's hardly any new features have come along since, you know, one or two features like the ability to add an image or put a horizontal rule in there or whatever, or edit a, a table in print view or whatever. But for the most part, those apps have not really gained in power on iOS. And many new features have come to the web in the meantime. You know, there's, there's you know, collaboration features and there's, um, you know, automatic research features have been added to the web and so on. And none of those features have come to iOS. Uh, and so not only are they not best of class, they're actually, I would argue, slipping further behind in terms of the kind of things you can build using the tools just on iOS itself. Yeah, the, the iOS app is, is I, I don't even know how to describe it properly. It's just, it's weird in, in many places from yeah. text selection to the cursor to the keyboard, like there's a slight delay when typing, even mm -hmm. both from the software keyboard and when you use a Bluetooth keyboard, there's like a delay, a visible delay on screen. Um, yeah. The, the way they handle links and opening Safari, it's kind of weird because even even if you don't have Google Chrome installed, anytime you... So you cannot just tap a link to to open it. You got to select the link and then there's like a menu in the copy and paste uh, options that says open link. And then when you open the link, it asks you, do you want to open the link in Safari or in Google Chrome? Which I would understand if Google Chrome was installed. But even if you don't have it installed, it just pushes you Please install Google Chrome. Please install Google Chrome. Yeah, they're just um, rubbing a little advert into your user interface there, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, even in Google search, anytime I open Google search, I feel like I'm seeing an ad for Google Chrome, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there's so many other little things like um, there's uh, most recently in the past six months, I think, they switched the way that you jump from reading a document to editing a document. So you on iOS... Talk to me about this feature. On iOS, yeah. On iOS, it, it is kind of... Uh, I'm not sure if it's a guideline, but it's very much a standard that anytime you tap on a editable document, the software keyboard comes up and you're in edit mode. Uh, with Google Docs, they switch to this different model where you can scroll a document, you can tap a document and nothing happens. You need to tap an edit button in the bottom right corner to specifically say, I want to enter edit mode. Otherwise, you're just in viewing a document and if you try to tap it, nothing happens, which drives me crazy. I mean, this is like the first, this is the first editor since VI came out in the 60s that has an edit mode and a reading mode, you know? It's like, we haven't done that for like 35 years and why are you doing it now on iOS, you know, of, of all the platforms, you know? Why why do that, you know? it's And that was, that was a reversion because it never used to work that way. <laughs> it used to actually work the way you would expect a word processor to work. But uh, they, they did, in fact, change it at one point. So, yeah, frustrating, frustrating in a whole. And I suppose, you know, if you look at the, if you stop and take stock of the number of features that are available in iWork pages or Word, and then you look at the features that are available in Google Docs, it's just like, where are all the features, you know? You know, headers, footers, margins, all that stuff. Where where is all of that? None of it's there. Uh, okay, you can drop, you can put a table in, you can you can drop in an image, but you know, it's it's almost like it's barely more capable than the notes application, and this is supposed to be Google's word processor, and it's certainly better on the web, but it's just not. It, those features are just not there in iOS, and that that remains a frustration. Yeah, please tell me it gets better with Google Sheets because you must know bit. something that I don't yeah. because I use Google Sheets and it's all right. I mm -hmm. mean, on iOS, it's mostly the same story as Google Docs. 
pretty much. You know, the the thing that I, I sort of saves Google Sheets right is if you if you author a complex sheet on the desktop version of of Sheets you can more or less, like the iOS version will respect a lot of those things. So, for example, if you put in like data validation lists where you, you tap on a pop-up, you can, iOS version will support that. Um, if you put in conditional formatting rules, they will be, they're not editable at all in iOS, but you can at least, they will be respected uh, slowly. And sometimes you have to close the document and reopen it for them to be, to, to be updated, but they will eventually be respected. Um but yeah, Google Sheets, I would say, is, is pretty much the same story. And if you think about it, for example, like this is a spreadsheet on iOS that doesn't even have a charting tool, right? You, you can't even make a chart. Yeah. It's like, come on, you know, you're not even trying. It's like a, it's like a multi-dimensional to-do list, right? <laughs> if you don't have, if you don't have charts and, th- and things like that, then, you know, is it really a spreadsheet? <laughs> sort of, but not really, you know. But the thing, of course, the, the thing that saves Google Docs is that um, it has fun integrations with other things online. So you can at least, you, you can use it as a gathering place for, say, like some automated stuff that you might have set up on the web and then data will funnel into, say, a Google Sheet, maybe through Google Forms, for example, and then you can view that data coming in on iOS. I guess one of the advantages of Google Sheets, and maybe this is possible with uh, Office 365 as well, I just haven't tried it, um, is integration with web services and you know third-party APIs because it's a web service and Google uh, Google has opened up Sheets to the likes of Zapier or Ift, so you can create yeah. automations with it. And one of the one of these automations that I that I've been doing for like a couple of years now is we have um we have made for Maxor is a custom script that aggregates all of our RSS subscribers from different RSS services. So after the the demise of Google Reader, uh, people started using many different uh, RSS reading services. And most of them report the the numbers of subscribers that they have for each individual website. Others don't. So we needed to come up with 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 a solution to aggregate all of these numbers just to get an idea of our growth. and we have this script that every day sends us an email from the server. It does its own processing, and each afternoon at 4 p.m., I get this email that says, hey, today you have X number of subscribers in total to Mac Stories. So what I do is, because I don't want to bother my developer and say, hey, you know, you should actually, instead of using an email, why don't you do a Google Sheets integration? I, I, I'm using Zapier to extract that number from the email using the uh, email parser by Zapier, which is an, an extremely powerful tool that lets you ext- extract bits of data from emails that are always formatted the same way. So I extract that number with Zapier workflow and I append the number to a new row in Google Sheets. So now uh, I have this two-year uh, collection of RSS growth for Mac Stories and Google Sheets. But as you mentioned, because the, the charting tools on iPad are non-existent, uh, what I do is I copy the Google Sheet document, import in Excel. This is something that I did two years ago. I haven't done it since. So it doesn't account for the four days of usage of Excel annually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, but it doesn't account for that. Uh, what I did a couple of years ago, I, I copy and paste the document, and I saw and I generated a new chart in Excel, which was very fun, by the way. So Google Sheet, you know, Google Sheets integration with uh, with APIs, Zapier, it's kind of cool. 
you know, something that Apple will never do, I think. So if you're into, you know, the kind of stuff, consider Google Sheets. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly the, the strongest kind of component of Google Sheets is the fact that they sort of exist as internet entities that can be targeted with stuff like that. So, yeah, Sheets is probably my favorite part. Of, I'm starting to sound like a bit of a spreadsheet nerd here, but um, it's probably my preferred part of the Google uh, the Google suite as well. We certainly do a lot of kind of data management stuff in school using Google Sheets uh, because it's shared and it's, you know, the sharing part is important. Google Slides, on the other hand, is, is also... Um, an interesting one and in some ways it has it has two of the most interesting features of any of the google apps on ios now in general slides is not doesn't even deserve to be on the same computer as key as powerpoint or keynote um it is incredibly weak as a presentation authoring tool uh, again it doesn't support charts it has no support for authoring animation on ios doesn't support inserting video into slide and it only has a really basic collection of pretty gross looking templates um, but it has a couple of interesting features that I think are probably worth spending a bit more time talking about rather than just uh, slagging off the things that are bad. The first thing is that they have a thing called Slides Q&A and what this is is when you if you start presenting a Google Slides presentation live from your iPad, you can do this on the web as well, what you can do is you can open up a kind of back channel where above, as a banner above your presentation there's like a sort of short URL that people can type into their phones. And then what that does is it gives them a channel to like send messages back to you as a speaker. And these are like questions that come up during the presentation. And then uh, at the end of the presentation, you can sort of take the questions and, and you can answer them as part of Q&A. So if you're in a situation where you don't have like a microphone set up for the audience or something like that, you can you can get questions that way. I kind of think that would be a bit annoying as a speaker um, to, to have that kind of going on in the room instead of people necessarily paying attention to you. But it is quite a nicely done feature and it does work in iOS, which is kind of cool. The second thing is you can um, you can also present to a Google Hangout inside the iOS version and you can also stream to a Chromecast. So kind of in the same way you can airplay to an Apple TV using Keynote, you can stream your presentation to a Chromecast uh, and, and control it from the iOS version of Google Slides as well. So... As an authoring environment, Google Slides is incredibly weak. I mean, it's, it's basically not worth thinking about. But as a playback environment, it has a couple of interesting features. But even so, it's still, in my opinion, just not a patch on either of the other two presenting tools on iOS. And this is, of course, something that I really care about is presenting on iOS. And Bradley and I, on my other podcast out of school, we basically had this joke between ourselves that Google Slides basically doesn't exist and we never talk about it because it's not worth considering. But it has these two these two interesting features as well. So it's uh, something to think about. Something to keep an eye on, perhaps. All right. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, I think I've I've put myself off Google Docs <laughs> talking this way. Um, I mean, I do use a lot of Google Docs. Um, we do have a lot of that stuff in school, but. You know, when you stand back and objectively evaluate it, um, you are putting up with a lot of limitations just to get that collaboration feature. And it's interesting that, you know, in a very iOS-centric world, big question is, can Apple take a bite out of that in terms of the collaboration stuff that's there in iWork? Uh, I, my feeling is not yet, but not outside the possibility. 
my feeling is not yet, but it's not outside the bounds of possibility that that could become a thing that iOS-centric people start to use iWork collaboration over Google Docs collaboration because the app itself is so much more powerful. So that kind of wraps up for uh, Office Suites on iOS. Federico, you got anything else you want to throw in there about uh, word processing, spreadsheets? Yeah, I feel like I, I, I'm ready to go back to talking about markdown and plain text <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going we're gonna to go more uh, hardcore iOS nerd in the next couple of shows. So we'll, we'll come back to everybody with uh, with some of that as well. But I think one of the you know, one of the kind of philosoph- founding philosophies of this show is to help people get stuff done in iOS. And I really think that one of the one of the biggest things about having Office on iOS is that it helps people start to move towards iOS. Uh, people who have a lot of content in Office have to interact with people through Microsoft's Office. This is kind of a tool, a bridge to the future, if you like, to help people get over to iOS. Uh, and, and for that reason alone, it's, it's very welcome on the platform. So this has been Canvas episode 21. You can find show notes for this show at relay.fm slash canvas slash 21. You can connect with the show at underscore FM on Twitter. Uh, I'm Fraser Spears on Twitter. Federico is Vitici. And we'll talk to you all next time.